Super excited about this week's podcast with me, Kenny Wallace. How are you, mate? Great. For those of you that have just looked it up on Google, he's not the car driver. He is the Olympic sprint kayaker, three times Olympic medalist, three times Olympian. That's 08, 12, 16, seven times world champ. And stood on a podium that much, we had to make compression garments. He's getting DVT. <laughs> Thanks. <Yeah. laughs> mate, there's something, some rule or something out there. You've you stood on the podium 52 times or something during 2012 to 16. Yeah. So at the World Cups in 2016, the International Canoe Federation came out uh, with a stat that I had something like 49 podium international podiums between 2012 and 2016, and it was like 15 or 16 times more than anyone else. But wow. that was at the start of the World Cup, so by the time by the end of the World Cup, we'd been got up there another three or four times. So that that number went up, and yeah, I was actually quite amazed when I saw that number as well, just because yeah, I I race, I don't look at the medals, I race to see how good I can be and how against how good the team can be, and yeah, it was quite. I was quite shocked, but uh, yeah, they assured me that was correct. So nice. I won't say no. (laughs) Exactly. Well, uh, let's hear Kenny's story. Let's rip in. Welcome to the Body Science Podcast, bringing you everything you need, want, and should know about health, fitness, nutrition, and training. As always, the information contained in this podcast is for the information purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or be prescriptive to treat, prevent, or manage any injury, disease, or other health-related condition. So can a young athlete comes up to you and says, I want a gold medal, what do you say? There's a few things that I'll say, is that make training harder than the race. It doesn't happen overnight. Don't be afraid of the hard kilometers yep. or the hard weights or the heavy weights. And the key part is don't be afraid to hurt yourself on a Monday. Don't be afraid to hurt yourself on a Monday. So mate, for many years, you've used one of our proteins and that is- Nitrovol, lean yep. muscle. Nitrovol, lean muscle every day. Get in there, kids. Welcome to Body Science HQ, world champions, seven-time world champions, fit, happy, healthy, one of our favorite athletes, one of our longest-serving athletes, too, to the Body Science brand, Kenny Wallace. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Here. I feel like I'm part of the furniture in this joint. Well, just so people know, we did a display in our boardroom recently where you, Mel Schlanger, Andrew Boger, Crowey, and, and yourself. That's yeah. it. That's the one missing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all of our favorite athletes, though, because it's our 21 years of sport this year, so it's all the, the, the big internationals and who we think's done really well. And I was over overseas and Kenny sending me pictures he's pulling apart the display we had done and because I had him at like number one when you first walked in he wanted to be in the middle and I love this because everyone's sending me photos going Kenny's doing shit in your boardroom Greg are you okay with this but he's unscrewed all this he's gone to put it in the middle and then he's looked up and seen Mel Schlanger and gone oh, I actually respect what she's done <laughs> I can't move her so somebody else got moved and some pretty big names in that list I just mentioned but mate it's um, great having you on board you you probably set the scene with at, at body science with what what is a competitive athlete i mean your approach to sport and i'm talking back in the early days was incredible like i remember one day i asked you this is your podcast so i'll shut up in a second but i remember i asked you what is it that that makes you win like what is it that what's that secret formula you got and the most dad-like joke came back i've ever heard <laughs> But apparently I'm not the first person you've ever said it to. Let's hear it. Put put the left joke in, (laughs) put put the right one in and do it again. Repeat. Yeah. And go faster and faster. Yeah. And I just 
longer, harder, faster strokes more consistently. Yeah. And is that something that you find with all the young kids coming through today? Because obviously you're still loving your sport and driving hard with development and what's happening in that area. What I found over the years was if if I see – oh, it all comes back to goal setting really. You, you set your long-term goals, your mid-term and your short-term goals. And those long-term goals, you know, for us, they didn't really change. There was Olympic Games every four years. So they were the long-term goals. The mid-term goals were always at the World Championships and to medal, always, you know, always be on the podium. I never just wanted the jacket because I can get them, but I always wanted the, that medal. And then the short-term goals were anything from yeah that nationals that year to the end of the week training to that one session to that one effort to and it got to a point where things started to get easy because I started breaking those I started breaking the barriers down by breaking the breaking everything down to its most simplest form mm-hmm. and it got to a point where even in the gym I would go in there and I'd pick it up and put it down again yep and I'd either push it or pull it yep and that's it you know it's I wasn't thinking about I've got to do this percentage for this many reps I've got to do this, this. Yes, everything was very structured, but because I'd done it for so long, I didn't look at the structure in that way. I looked at, I broke it down into its most simplest form, push, pull, pick yep. it up or put it down, yep. one or the other. And so paddling in a way was like that for me too. So I stick my left stroke in, pull it out, put my right stroke in, pull it out. And because I'd done it so many times, it just becomes a natural way that your body moves. I'd done so much training that it, it had become normal. And I guess that's where I tell a lot of these young kids, you always make training harder than what the actual race is because if you've done it enough, the race will just happen. It's just going to come naturally. You don't need to worry about your race plan because you've already visualized it in your training session a thousand times before. You've already you've already done it in training. It should be done in training and therefore the race is there. The race is only the reflection of the training that you've done. So I guess breaking things down into its most simplest form is is the biggest thing. The hardest part that most people will have in the morning, and this is the hardest part that I'll tell most of the kids that want to achieve anything these days, the biggest step that you'll take is out of bed in the morning. Yeah, A lot of people just want to sleep in. They just want to stay there. But the hardest part is to actually get out of bed. Your alarm's gone off. Get out of bed. Once you're out of bed, then your body goes into autopilot. Yep. You know, you get your way to training. You, you have your coffee if you want it before training, or your banana, or yeah, you know, whatever you whatever you want. Your body science protein balls, or yeah, you know, whatever you want. So your body goes into autopilot, and once you're at training, it just happened. So yeah, it's all about that first step and breaking down goals enough to a bite-sized edible piece. Really. So mate, what drives a person like you? Like you competed what year was your first ever Australian jacket uh 2000 2000 and you wore your last one this year this year last, this year yeah so, so 20 what, years <laughs> so you got out of bed at what time every morning uh anywhere between 4:30 actually the alarm used to go off at 4:44 every morning 44 4:44 not 45 44 44 it would take me 12 minutes to get to training wow like it, it got to a point where i knew where every single minute was going wow. <laughs> in the day i love the early mornings and even now that we're not training as much it's still you get so much more stuff done in the mornings uh, than what there is at, late at night so and you just feel better you feel healthier the amount of times that you watch the sunrise i'm doing a lot more ocean ski paddling at the moment so i'm out in the ocean and 
and again this morning, most beautiful awesome. sunrise well that you see every day. It's a great way to kick off the day. It's beautiful orange mornings at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Not too many winters I'm home, so take, yeah, that's true, take, isn't make it? the most of it. And, mate, speaking of being home, what's it, what's this, what's it like for a, a sprint kayaker? So you make a national squad and you pretty well much disappear for the rest of the year? Yeah, so the the normal season, right, is basically a sprint kayaker will chase the summer. Yeah. Pretty much we'll have summer here in Australia and then we'll have summer in Europe and mm-hmm. then summer back here in Australia. We might get a month in September where we're home and it's that little bit chilly and we're like, oh, it's so cold, but really everyone's going, oh, this is warm enough, it's quite nice. But um, a normal season would be we're racing nationals in March and that's where you make the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll stay at home, we'll race Australian Surf Championships as well and then we have a couple of weeks there where we're still back in training and we're, we're just going through, not going through the motions, but trying to gear up, gear down from nationals, but then gear up for the World Cups, which start in May. Now, we stay in Australia for Anzac Day every year, mm-hmm. and then we pretty much the next day we fly back to Europe. Um, and where's we, the Aussie team base itself out of? So the men will base themselves out of Hungary yep. in Solnok, which is a town about an hour, an hour and a half out of Budapest. We stay there because for a number of reasons we're set up. The hotel's good. The course is great. It's generally beautiful weather every day of the year uh, or all of summer at least. And if there is a storm, it lasts for half an hour and then it comes out beautiful again. Yep. Uh, the women will base themselves out of Italy in Varese and that's that's a nice place there as well, but it's a big giant lake. And I guess we did a lot of uh, work on a course, on a straight course, and it's always nice when you're paddling and you can actually see that you're going past something. Whereas if you're on a big giant lake, the only reason and the only way that you know how fast you're going is if you're looking at your GPS Yeah, okay. on the front of the boat. So I think the men tend to like being on a straight course and going past something. Yeah, okay. Which is reflective of what you do when you actually compete. Yeah. Yeah, okay. The kayak team chase summers why don't you guys keep paddling in australia on the water here uh it, it's good it just gets colder here and majority of our races in are in europe mm-hmm. i've always managed to train with a lot of international guys because i was doing k1 for so long and i developed such good friendships with you know some of my fiercest rivals that i'd have there's a guy out of vancouver and he got silver to me in beijing but even leading into beijing and the week of beijing olympics we were training together uh anders gustafsson a guy from sweden uh he went to four olympic games is we would be belting it out training you know, on a daily basis, uh, the three of us, okay, uh, amongst others as well. And I guess we just got along so well that we'd ch- chase each other around training as well. We knew we had to race against each other, but we kind of figured we're all good mates. Yeah. We're going to make each other better and we can, then we can take on the rest of the world. So as soon as that gun goes... Yeah, we're friends, but we want to beat each other. Yeah. The best part about what we had, though, I believe, and I still try to instill this into kids now, is if there is ever an issue, leave it on the water. Yep. Because everyone's very enthusiastic and, and the will to win is there. That's what makes great competitors. But as long as they leave it on the water, if there is ever an issue, then things are going to go smoothly. Things are going to go great. Yeah, mate. Mate, speaking about on the water, let's let's kick that white elephant in the room. Is there a lot of drugs in your sport? There. It has been in the We're past. talking rumours now and obviously because... Yeah, there, there has been from other countries around the world and and um, and a couple of alleged cases here in Australia. But there's, I think that come, boils down to it's there in every sport. Yeah. It's, whether, it's whether some people get caught or not. Yeah. For us here in Australia, we, we pride ourselves on being drug-free and I've always stated that I would rather get tested every single day of the year to prove to everyone that you can do it drug-free 
free. Yeah, there was newspaper articles and I've been saying it for years, but yeah, I'd rather get tested every single day of the year because you can do it drug-free. I have done it drug-free and companies like Body Science, who again, all their supplements third-party tested, it's that extra layer of insurance and it's for us that we can take the supplements that we need to continue the train at the level that we do because a lot of the time through Europe, we just we don't get enough food into us. Now, the biggest issue that we have is actually keeping weight on yeah. when we're overseas, punching 200Ks a week plus doing gym plus riding about 100Ks a week as well on top of that. The biggest issue we have is keeping weight on and supplements is a way that we can. They're not for everybody and they should be you know, obviously used oh, and uh, one by yeah. dietitian's advice. Yeah. Kenny came yeah, right yeah. through the system, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, I did come up through the system, and for a long time, our, our sport's been great. That they, I think it was they, Liz who introduced us, wasn't it? Yeah, it, I yeah. think so. It was. Yeah, we get taught this from a very young age, and it's up to the athlete's responsibility what goes in their mouth. Yep or what goes into their system. There's no one else to blame but ourselves yep. if we get if we ever get caught or if we ever get done for drugs. That's just simply the way it is. So we, we get taught very young. So you have no compassion for people that are caught for doping? Not really. No, they didn't follow the system. Bad luck. Didn't follow the system. There are there are cases out there where people have inadvertently taken a supplement where yeah it might be laced with something else. Yep. And, and there are cases, and I do I do genuinely feel sorry for those people. But it is also up to them to find the right supplier, to get it third party tested, to to put it through the system. To like for every supplement that we have that I have, I have to <clears throat> record it. I take a photo of the batch number. Yep. I send it to our dietitian. I send it to the sport and so everything's traceable yeah and it's up to the athlete's responsibility to do stuff like that well you're yeah. the reason that we actually put our testing certificates up on our web now because it was just that much work keeping that shit together for you that we thought let's just do it for everyone instead of just you and i'm being honest because i mean how many piss tests you reckon you've done in those years <laughs> I, we, we that's just, a lot of people to weigh in front of it do you hold some type of world record for i've weed in front of more people than anyone else yeah possibly i don't i don't really care anymore yeah. these days so just get it out just get it out <laughs> But, um, are you a chatter or not chatter? Or are you an angry? Oh, no, I know, I chat away. You chat away, that would be very awkward for the person doing the test, wouldn't it? Yeah. And after a while, though, it's, it starts to be the same people, yeah. which is quite funny. They turn up at your house, everything. And it's even funnier now with my family. I've got three kids, a beautiful wife. Because they want to watch too, the kids, wouldn't they? What are you doing, Dad? Oh, yeah, they're curious. <laughs> they're curious to see what happens. And they're, they're quite. They, they think it's quite funny they'll sit there with a bottle of urine on the, on the kitchen <laughs> table. But um, now that, that we have the drug testers turn up, they turn up of an evening. I go, it's great, guys. I'm happy that you're here. You're just going to have to wait because I need to feed my kids. I need to- yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, dad. And and they're great. They're, they're good. They'll, they sit there. Once you get notified that you're going to get tested, they can't let you out of your site. Their yeah. site, our site. Yeah. They have to follow you around everywhere you go, which is which is great, which is good. Yeah, this is this is something if you want to be professional athlete or if you want to be an athlete at that level, then this is something. This is part of the system. This is part of what you have to do. Yeah. For those people who don't actually understand what uh, a urine test is, it's literally you have to piss into a little cup. You have to get ninety mils out. Yep. So there's plenty of times where we've done a lot of racing, especially and, in summer, and you're dehydrated, yeah. and you can do partial tests, but as 
it's a pain in the ass to do it. Like if you don't get the 90 mils, then there's more forms to fill out and everything else. But yeah, you've got to get 90 mils into a cup and then you need to pour that cup into vials and you do it like I I do it myself. And so you're you're watching not to spill anything because you still need to keep your 90 mils. And once once you put it into two vials, there's like a a cap that goes on that you need a machine to break the cap. So once it's on, it's it's sealed for good. Uh, then that gets in, goes into a little plastic bag with a little sachet, and then yeah, it get gets sealed up and put away. Sometimes on occasion we'll get blood tested as well, yep. and so they have a nurse there, and you have to sit there for I think it's for half an hour. You can't get tested if you've done sport within an hour or something. So you have to sit there for an hour basically. You can't sit there with your legs crossed. I don't know what that does, but you can't have your legs crossed. Um, yeah, range. A range of things. Yeah. So, mate, how long until after you get a drug? Do they come back and tell you whether you are, or that it's just you only get told the bad news? Not anymore. They used to get a letter back to say, oh, everything's clean, you know, whatever. Uh, They've stopped doing that because I think they were just wasting too much paper. Yeah, that's a good call. They will get a hold of you if something uh, turns up. But they also now, where I don't know where it's kept, maybe in Switzerland somewhere, I don't know, but they must have a lot of my peers (laughs) sitting in a fridge somewhere because they. They keep, they keep your samples for 10 years. And the way that testing's going these days, yeah, there's new forms and new ways of testing. And we've seen it. Uh, Jared Walker, he got uh, given the gold medal only just before the Rio Olympics because they came back and they retested a couple of the samples from London Olympics. That's a technology advances. Technology advances. So they'll re- they can retest uh, for 10 years. So, wow, so you've probably got a couple more medals in you then? Potentially. So I've got yeah, so three medals and two fourths, fourth places at the Olympics. So, yeah, you, ne- you never know. You never know. I, I don't wish it upon anyone and I really hope, like I, I do hope but I don't hope that, you know, it'd be nice to have another medal. I make clean sports. But al- also at the same time, it is, yeah, it's fulfilling. I'm, I'm happy with my fourth places and if I'd hate it even more if somebody in front of me got done for drugs and because they were cheating. Yeah. I, I'd feel cheated at the time but. You would because you missed the experience of Yeah, the time, you missed yeah. standing on the podium. Him, what was that like, mate? Like, let's be honest. Standing on the, on the podium at Olympics with a gold medal in your hand, how'd that feel? The first one, <laughs> the first one, <laughs> the first one in Beijing, the bronze medal was first. Yep. And to be honest, I was, no one dreams about winning a bronze medal yep. at the Olympic Games, just quietly. Everyone dreams of winning gold. So I remember when I crossed that finish line for that split second, I was disappointed that I got the bronze medal. And then I went, geez, you're a- Wake up. Yeah, you're a bit of a dick. <laughs> Hold on a <laughs> Like for the re- for the rest of my life, I'm going to be an Olympic medalist. Exactly. No matter what happens to me, no matter where my life takes me, I'm going to be an Olympic medalist. And everything was perfect. Everything was great. I was happy. The guys that were beat me, that had beaten me, were just as happy for me. The guys that got were in the final, got fourth, fifth, sixth. They were happy for me. Yeah. You know, everyone was ecstatic. I saw my family up in the stands, and wife was up there. Everyone's up there. Everyone was ecstatic that I'd managed to get on that podium. And you know, when I got on the, the bronze medal. I was like, okay, this is this is great. I'm standing on the podium with two other heroes of mine, two guys that I idolized. You know, this is this is awesome. I didn't bring a towel to get changed into the Olympic track suit. So there was a few Chinese women <laughs> standing around in the tent. And when I got new, they, they kind of ran out pretty fast. But yeah, that was pretty funny. And then the next day, though, I, rem- I learned my lesson. I took it, put a towel in my bag this time. Yep. I remember that gold medal. They announced my name and you see a lot of people jump 
onto the podium. I took slow steps because I wanted to savor that moment. Yeah. I just wanted it to slow down because we'd worked so hard for so many years and years and years to dreaming about that. And I knew after the day before, it goes so fast. Like you're up on the podium and you're off the podium yeah. and it happens so fast. So standing on the gold medal, I just wanted everything just to slow down. And yeah, it's amazing. You don't you don't really know what to do. You don't know whether to put your hands up. You don't know what, um, you know, I was waving at the family. It's quite weird because the TV is broadcasting you to millions of people. Yeah. You know that. Probably a few um, more than that actually. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, millions and millions of people, but it's kind of quiet because in the grandstand, there's only uh, there are a few hundred people, if not a thousand people, in the grandstand. So it's yeah, it's loud, but it's not loud. So you don't really know what to do, and then you get down, and then it's all of a sudden just a whirlwind. Everything that happens after winning Olympic gold medal is pretty crazy. You get ushered around from here to there. I never even I never saw my boat again. So I jumped out of my boat after I crossed the line, pretty much i never saw it again jimmy jimmy ended up my coach paddled it back to the boat shed and then i didn't see it for months and months i still never sat in it again so jimmy was the last person to paddle it is that right you've never sat in it again never sat in again where is it it's in a museum in canberra oh i was gonna go borrow it (laughs) (laughs) got a couple more if you want (laughs) and then that's cool whereabouts in canberra i never actually even packed my bag to go home wow i think jimmy actually this is this is what a coach does a really good coach he he packed my bag because i got ushered around into all the tv and all the media stuff and i had stuff sprawled everywhere and he said i got my bag a few months later because half your bags come home on the plane, half of them come home in a shipping container. Yeah, okay. They arrive like three months later and I looked in my bag and there's like what you could tell was a wet towel. It's dry now. <laughs> wow. And everything's just kind of just jammed into my bag and I go, oh, yeah, I didn't pack this. Yeah, thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> nah, it, it was good and it was great. That's awesome. So, can a young athlete comes up to you and says, I want a gold medal. What do you say? There's a few things that I'll say is that make training harder than the race. It doesn't happen overnight. Don't be afraid of the hard kilometers yep. or the hard weights or the heavy weights and the key part is don't be afraid to hurt yourself on a monday don't be afraid to hurt yourself on a monday so mate for many years you've used one of our proteins and that is nitrovol yeah. lean muscle nitrovol lean muscle every day get in there kids well, mate, I'm going to uh, ask you the big question because you're part of the family here and I wouldn't probably ask a lot of athletes, but were you thinking, fuck yeah, when you got that medal in your hand? Were you just thinking, this is the best moment of my life outside I, of being married and all the other good things that have happened <laughs> yeah. in your life? <laughs> I, when you get that medal, you you hold on to it and you, you just go, you look at it and you go, is, is this real? And at the time, you don't really get a chance to have a good look at it. And there's on one side, there's like a, the goddess Olympia on one side and, and the Beijing medals had like a, a jade, it had a, a real green jade for the bronze medal. It had like a, a whitish, greenish jade for the silver and then a white jade, which is apparently pretty rare. And so you don't really get a good chance to look at it. It's only you may get like 10 minutes back in the hotel room where everything, you'd shut the door and everything's just silent for two seconds and you look at the medal and that's when you kind of go, yeah, this is this is pretty cool. And then you start noticing stuff like that. It's not in, it's like a laser engraved what your medal is and what event it was and you start noticing the, the detail in around that. You start noticing the, the ribbons like this silk, which is pretty scruffed up now but at the time. And then I gave my parents the flowers that I got. So they got, in Beijing, they got two lots of flowers. Yep. My mum actually ended up being able to get them back into Australia, which is pretty cool. They had to go through Could imagine that conversation quarantine. It went through (laughs) quarantine. It did go through quarantine and then they 
I think they freeze it or something to kill all the bugs. And apparently it costs like a good chunk of money. And only I bet it did. And, Chinese flowers, I don't think they just cruise through. Well, this is something that I literally only found out of, you know, probably a few months ago. And I found this quarantine slip. I went, oh, what, what's that for? That's a bit odd. And because um, my parents are trying to offload all this, all of my stuff <laughs> that I've had stored at their house back onto me. And I found this quarantine slip and the Australian quarantine did it for free, wow. did it for nothing. They said, oh, yeah, on the description, two sets of Olympic flowers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you don't um, see that every day. Yeah, amount due zero. And I went, that's really cool of them to do that. So big shout out to the crew. Yeah, big shout Like it's the little detail like that and it makes you kind of go, yeah, thanks. Like that's that's pretty cool. And my parents have still got them. They look like Popuri at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's falling apart. But yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. What was the single biggest change that happened to you after a gold medal? Walking down the street and people knowing who you are. Yeah. Or, and a lot of them won't actually come say hi or do anything. It, I was going through the airport quite a fair bit at the time. I was doing a lot of traveling when I got home and people would just stare at you. And I'd, I'd got quite put off by it. I'd, I'd look and go, what are they looking at? Like just didn't really think anything of it because we'd spent months leading into the Olympic Games in our own bubble. We were there to do a job. We'd just trained. We didn't do any media leading into it. You know, and social media was a very mm. minor thing back then. Um, yeah, We were there to do a job. That's what we're focused on. And it wasn't until we got home. And which is, this is actually... A really cool aspect of it too is I remember being down at the surf club one day and it was an old guy in it. He started crying like you can see like tears in he swelling up in his eyes and he was telling me that that was one of the best things he's ever seen because I was part of the local community and he was a local down there as well and felt yeah, like it was his he, medal too. He felt like he medaled too. Yep. And he was telling me that, and I had no idea of the of the reach that an Olympic medal could have in that way, and how it would inspire you know not just kids but anyone to to achieve something. You know, it, it's obviously inspired this old guy that had tears in his eyes to actually come up and say something. And I kind of went, "That's that's really cool." And that's probably the first moment that I really grasped what what we'd done. When you first win that medal, you don't you kind of go, "Yeah, this is cool. Like this is something that I wanted to do." But you've got this medal, and you don't really know. You know what it means to you, but you don't really know what it means to you until maybe, you know, even years later. And I reckon you'll find that a lot of Olympic medalists will say the same thing. It's probably not until they retire, really, or they've got kids or they they start realizing what it actually means to do or how hard they actually work to do it. And, mate, you you just mentioned retirement. You retired this year. Is that an official thing? Is that a. I don't think I'd ever say retired. No. Because I still race. You are such a. I still train. I still can't get away from it. I'm started doing a lot more ocean ski paddling yeah. unfortunately still a lot of our races are I've cancelled or postponed in that I don't think I'll ever retire I don't really like the word retiring I don't think I'll want to go and spend the months overseas that I used to being part of the national team there. I love I love it, but also at the same time with my family, with my kids, I want to spend time with them. Like yeah. it's, my kids are starting to get older. I've got a seven, four, and an eighteen month old, and things are starting to get fun. Yeah, they all oh, so they cool. are they are fun. They're busy. It's hectic. So like it's it's pretty crazy, but it's something that I do enjoy and I want to be a part of. I want to show them some of you know those Olympic ideals. 
that that I've learned over the past. I want to show them what sport can actually give you. I don't I don't care if they never pick up a kayak paddle, although my eldest son actually loves paddling <laughs> and my middle one actually does as well. I don't care what, what sport they do as long as they do some sort of sport and they don't have to do it forever but you learn so much out of being in a sport, either an individual or a team sport that you can take into life after sport. Teach you how to treat people, teaches you respect, teaches you honesty, resilience. Yeah, you get The list goes on of what sport actually does for you. So any, anytime I can get my kids out to, to be active and healthy, fit, happy, healthy. Yeah, bring that on. Yeah, it's uh, what I want to do. Yeah, we love when they come in. We remember for weeks. We get it every day now. <laughs> no, they're cool kids, mate. They are so much fun. So tell me about being a dad. How's that? Being, being a dad is great. It feels like I'm walking a tightrope whilst juggling six balls at the same time, yeah. trying to uh, do it. Being in sport teaches you time management. Being a father teaches you more time management. And there is is not much time that you have to yourself anymore. But it it's great. The older they get, the more you start to realize that uh, you know, the afternoons aren't yours anymore. The yeah. mornings aren't yours anymore. The getting ready for school in the morning, it's easier in summer because we throw them in the pool quickly and they, they get dressed pretty Clean. fast after that. <laughs> yeah, every time for a shower, they're in the pool. Yeah. But no, fa- fatherhood's great. Uh, having my two two kids kids at the time in at the Rio Olympics that was very special for me yeah, a lot changed between 2012 and 2016 I got two kids yep and yeah ha- having them there and winning medals winning the medal there was one thing but seeing them there in the grandstand e- each each day that I raced um, I'd managed to go see them I don't think we we're really meant to but managed to see them every morning after the warm-up and then I'd go off and race because we we're there for a reason they're there for a job and they understand they understood that or the the wife understood that anyway. How could she? And well, she travelled to Europe oh. with two kids by herself, travelled to Rio with two kids by herself, so oh, bit, a, bit of a soldier there. But I'd grab the kids and take them through the media scrum after every race that I had. And so every photo. Yeah, some cool photos. Yeah, some yeah. cool photos and some cool video that when they grow up, they can go, oh, yeah, I did that. And yeah. I took the eldest one paddling straight after the race. I used paddle on the Olympic course. And yeah, that's awesome. Talking about paddling with my summers and nationals this year, my last race that I did, I somehow managed to squeeze. It was the open K2 200 meter race. Yep. And so I've chucked Nixon into the front. I've, I've somehow slyly entered him into the regatta. Stop it. Uh, and so the last race that we did, it was, um, yeah, with my, oldest, with my oldest son. And then after the race, uh, did he pulled his weight. He did pull his weight. He took <laughs> off, he took off like the clappers, but it was pretty funny. He had a, the smallest body science compression shirt on I, yeah. I've ever seen. He had an Australian singlet over the top of that his paddle had to look the same as mine so he had stick it had up. the body science sticker on the one of the ends he's had an oakley sticker on one of the ends it was like like a, a whole lot he and it he needed to be spun out apparently well he is uh, when he's ready yeah and that was the la- that was the last race that i did how was that for him mate? was that just what, what was it like it's, just it's good it was it was sad but also really happy yeah yeah you kind of think oh that's did you actually break a tear during that yeah 100 percent. you're a pretty emotional yeah. guy you're a pretty hardcore <laughs> athlete like when i talk to people about athletes your name comes up as someone who's like resilient just because you pretty much paddled injury free for all those years didn't you pretty much the, the and if i did it was only little a little niggles bit of that, a tear going there at the moment kenny no you having a little no. flashback to that paddle oh it's good because to be good at your sport you need to be obsessed yeah and to be obsessed you need to live it and breathe it and you need to be emotional with it you it's that's what you do if you want to win at that you need to be obsessed and it was only in the last 
you know, a couple of years probably that I realized that I'm not obsessed with it. I love it. I genuinely love the sport, but I'm not obsessed because I'm obsessed with my kids. The yeah. obsession has changed yeah. and I'm obsessed with my family. And so that's when I started to realize that, all right, this is, it's time to to move on. And it's probably now since I've, I've slowed up sport that the, the body's paying the price for it now. <laughs> but um, that, you, it's an emotional thing because you, you lived it and breathed it. That's all I've done. High performance for the last 20 years. I've never not wanted to be on the podium and there's not many times, it sounds a little cocky, but there's not many times that I hadn't, been on, say it, mate, hadn't so. been on the podium. So it gets to a point where that, that's what the expectation is yeah. and that's a self-expectation and that's what you want to do. Mate, you talk about we before and you actually said, oh, when we won the medal. Like who's the we in your life at that time? Obviously, no, no, she's a massive part of that because you don't paddle without someone who's got the same beliefs it, in you at that level. But It's always a we. And when you do sport, a lot of people think that you're the individual coming down. So even though I raced the single boat for a lot of my career, it was never just me in that boat. It was always the coach. You know, Jimmy Owens played a massive part in He was there career. every morning when he you rocked up. He was there every morning, there every afternoon, and, and probably there a few more times that I didn't turn up. Yeah. You know, um, the physios. The massage, the biomechanist, the, the the data, the you know everyone. That's just within the sports side. And then you've got your parents that are were there to encourage you every other day when you're younger to actually even get to a point where to make those teams. They're the ones that yeah they never pushed me to do it, but they'd always encourage me to to do it. Yeah, you know, you'll find the best athletes will want to do it for themselves anyway. And then at the time it was the girlfriend, now wife, but you know she's grown with you. And for me, she was somebody out of sport that I. I could always talk to. She was a lot of people have girlfriends or wives that actually do the sport as well. Mm-hmm. I I'm glad I don't because it was somewhere that I didn't have to compete. I didn't yeah, have to okay, win. Nice. I still always try to beat her. Yeah. <laughs> I still try to win. And I do. No, 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 no. <laughs> no she beats me. She deep down. I just keep oh, telling myself awesome. that. Yeah, it was somewhere away from the sport. So when I say we, it's always it's always a we. And I think that's where some athletes always get lost that oh, I did this and I did that. And it's like, no, it's we did this, we did that. They might not be the ones coming down the course or they might not be the ones actually you know, running down the track or whatever it is. Is, but it's always a we if they if they look deep enough into it, mate. What's it like you, when you talk about this, this we level to go to the next level? Like when, when you paddle, we all watch it on TV, going, "Come on, Kenny! Come on, Kenny! Come on, Kenny!" And it's it's it, I think every gold medal, every silver medal, every bronze medal earned by an Australian athlete, it's just it's part of our DNA to believe we're part of that medal. Is it and like from a perspective of body science and where you've been with us for all these years, it's a massive massive thank you for what you've brought to to our brand, what you've done with introductions, the time you've come in and spoken to the staff about um, winning or whatever it is you were talking about at the time, letting people hold your medals. Yeah. And, you know, it's just been an awe for me personally. I feel like I was there. I didn't do the four, 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 15 mornings with you but yeah but this is part of the we yeah this is this is, this is the we it's the it's the it's yourself and then the extended body science family and then it's through that body science family that i've met other athletes mm. and that are going through similar things so that branch it just keeps branching out further and further and you meet like-minded people whether it's in sport or in business or you meet other successful people and everyone's successful in life Every, everyone's living everyone's getting through it it's just they need to find out what they're successful at some people are successful at getting out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Some people are successful at uh, treating their 
their kids so well. Some mm-hmm. people are successful at uh, there, there's so many different things. It's a lot of people just don't they don't uh, they take for granted a lot of the stuff that they have. But th- this is the we part that we're talking about. And did you did you believe that you won that medal for Australia or did you win it for Kenny? And the team at the, at the time, I thought that I'd won the medal for myself because you have to do it. You have to want oh, yeah, it for yourself. That's an obsessed part you talked about. Yeah. yeah, you have to want it for yourself. The saying you can lead a horse to water, you can't teach it to drink. But it, you have to want it for yourself, and you have to be self-critical of yourself. You have to be self-obsessed. You, you have you have to have that little bit of an ego about you that you can go out and beat everyone else and beat the rest of the world. The it wasn't until I probably got home that I realized where that medal had gone. And the first Olympic Games, you're very quite naive about it yeah. because that's that you've always dreamed about it. And then as as my career's gone on, I've realized how much these medals mean to not just myself but to everyone else. And it got to a point, you know, especially between 2012 and 2016, which I'd probably say is my most successful years that I had. Even though we'd won gold and bronze already at the Olympics, they were probably my most successful years. And I feel like they were the parts where I wanted to do it for somebody else. I wanted to do it for the rest of the Australia. I wanted to do it for my mates down at Chugan. So if I ever if I ever got um, not worried or a little nervous, it was probably nervous. If I ever got nervous, I'd always think, wonder what my mates are up to. <laughs> yeah, you know, I can't wait to go home and have a, have a beer with those blokes, you know, and just get chopped down and, and tell me how shit I am, basically. Yeah. And I'd look forward to it. Yeah. And I'd look forward to going spending time with family and, and friends all around the place and, and just being a normal human again, not having to worry about, you know, well, not, not having to worry about anything, just just being part of the family, being part of your mates. I guess a lot of people don't understand when you talk about them not having to worry. You you gave up the chance of income earning like uh, I have or like I've gotten all that because I guess people don't understand that when, when you paddle for Australia, you don't get paid, do you? No, nah, like it, that was one thing that it doesn't it does annoy you in some ways. There are There is a lot of people that haven't quite achieved the success that I have and they've started and finished the sport and ended up with nothing still. Yep. Sport's been kind to me in some regards because I've always relied on some sort of medal incentive or government grants or Queensland Academy of Sport or AIS or whatever it is, but even then we still live on minimum wage. Yeah. And so this is where you learn budgeting skills. So <laughs> being an athlete, you learn how to budget your season out really quite well. Um, you learn how to budget out and time management because you know that, all right, for the next four months I'm going to be in Europe, I'm not going to be earning anything or if I do, it's very minimal. It's only enough to live off maybe. And so a lot of the athletes, they'll still live at home and yet they're expected to win constantly. So you know, at the Olympic Games, is, it comes out always. About a week after the Olympic Games, they count their Olympic gold medals and in the newspaper headline, it cost $1.6 million per Olympic gold or something. And I remember the first time seeing that I was, and I was filthy because my picture was on the paper oh, really? with it along with the other Olympic gold medals. And I thought, geez, I wouldn't mind $1.6 million. Yeah, bring that on. And even if I'd take a million bucks if yeah. my training cost 600000 whatever it is. And people don't realize that you know, we might be living off between 40000 to maybe 50000 a year if you're good at what you do. And a lot of athletes 
will be living off about 12,000. So that's what that's just what you do. So you can't deny athletes that they don't do it for their passion. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, that's in a lot of Olympic sports. It's not in a professional code. So we, we don't get paid like the footy players do or the cricketers or, or even soccer. Don't we do it because we love it. Did you ever like the idea that the Olympics is every four years or did, was that something that – because you talked about your, your short, medium, long-term goals there and, and how you periodised what you were doing. Is – is that is that the pure love and the pure joy of being an Olympic athlete? I would, for someone who's never, I would exchange near. every other one of my seven world championships for yeah. one more Olympic medal. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, to win an Olympic Games is something different. To win an Olympic medal is something different. To race at World Championships is in some ways easy because you know it's going to happen again next year. Yeah. Worst case, so there's always a safety net in there. To win an Olympic medal, you a lot of people get one chance. If they get two chances, it's you know they've done well. If you get a three chances it's like all right you're just old you know <laughs> but yeah and there's people that have gone to more olympic games than me but yeah i'd swap every one of my other world championship medals or every other medal to get that one more olympic medal it's not a lot of the time at the olympics as well you might not see the fastest guy win you'll see the person that's raced the race the person that's turned up on the day and is the best at that day that hour that minute their prep's been perfect their everything's all the ducks have just fallen into line and it's on that day and that moment and so to win an olympic medal it's something different it's really different to win a world championship medal and that a lot of the time at world championships we'll go there and i'll race multiple events whereas at the olympic games in rio i was uh pretty much the only person that raced two events Okay, a lot of the wow. time, a lot of the time, people will only go there and race one event, and that's it. So there's a lot of pressure riding on on one time in Rio, the Olympics. The, if you won the heat, you went straight through to the final. Yeah. We actually we got second in our heat because our Serbian crew burned past us in the last kind of 10 meters which kind of annoyed us but at the same time it was also a godsend because it gave us another chance and it gave our team there another chance to actually race that olympic final because for a lot of people that was their first race at the olympic games ever wow so the more racing that you can do at that sort of level the more you kind of go oh actually no this is this is normal and it's good. For a lot of the first-time Olympians, I'd always tell them that, what would you prefer to win, your your club championships, your weekend race or, or the Olympic Games? And they'll go, oh, the Olympic Games. I'll go, but you still want to win your club championships too. And they go, yeah. I go, it's the same thing. It's a race. The The distance doesn't change. There's a start gun. There's a finish. There's, there's a race plan. If you treat it like any other race, you know, obviously go as hard as you can possibly, um, you will do well. If you get caught up in the Olympic Village, if you get caught up in all the high if you get caught up in everything else, you're not going to do well because all your energy is going to be focused on that. Focus on what you're there to do and your job at hand. It's the same thing with nutrition, the same thing with drinking. A lot of people you'll see going walking around before big races and they walk around with a drink bottle in their hand and they just keep sipping on water, keep sipping, keep sipping. And they, and they get, you know, if it's a long distance event, they end up with cramps, you know, 45 minutes later and they, and they wonder why. I said, well, would you normally do that on a daily training? They said, no. I go, well, it's the same. Do what you do in training. Your training should be harder than your race. So, therefore, do what you do in training before the race. And then they start doing that and they go, oh, yeah, this is easy. I went to a good mate's race, Nutrigrain, for years, Ironman series, and he he tried all the the supplements and tried all the gels and everything else and he he could never really get through a race in good nick. I go, what do you normally eat for breaking? He goes, oh, Vegemite. I go, just have a Vegemite sandwich or Vegemite toast before the race. And sure enough, he started doing well again. So, you know, you got to keep things normal. Good love Vegemite too. <laughs> yeah. So, mate, in, in the 
in the boat before you race, are you a to- are you talking to the people on the side of you? Are you one of those people? Are you, are you just slowly pissing in your pants? Are you listening? To, uh, are you got songs going through your head? Are you, what, what are you doing? If people will talk to me, I'll talk back. Yep. And I'll generally try to talk to people. I feel like the, um, <laughs> and again, this is something that we try to tell our young kids, one of the most intimidating things you can potentially do is smile <laughs> before a race <laughs> at your competitors because, one, you're being nice and you're being a good bloke. Yep. Yeah. As long as you're a good bloke, that's amazing. But in their head, they're going, is he smiling at me because he feels good and he's going to win this thing? Or is he smiling at me because he's just nice? What's it? And all of a sudden, in their head, they're, they're more worried about you smiling than what they're there to do. Yeah. So in some ways, a smile is one of the most intimidating things. But I don't intentionally go out there to try and intimidate people in any way whatsoever. I'll, I love having a chat. And I'm, even mid-race, I'll love having a chat to people. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember telling people, okay, I'm, I'm going to come past now. <laughs> that sounds cocky, really bad, so don't say that. <laughs> um, hey, that's how but, it rolls. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, I love having a chat because it, it relaxes things and it, it makes us, you know, we're there because we want to have fun. So, mate, post-Olympics, what's happening? I, I, you told you're doing some um, ocean kayaking and all that type of stuff and staying in the fun zone, but what's what's Kenny up to for the next few years? Uh, so my job at the moment is with uh, Paddle Australia, uh, doing a lot of their national pathways development coordinator. Yep. Um, and which is great. I feel like I, I love giving back to the sport and if I can pass on one piece of knowledge, if I tell kids 10 things and they remember one, I feel like I've won yeah. and I've done my job. Uh, so that will be me for the next few years, watching the kids grow up, you know, getting them into sport, getting them into swimming. Swimming is a life lesson that they, you know, I feel like every kid should learn how to swim because later on in life when they go surfing or doing whatever they do and they, at least you know they can swim. And yeah, that, that's pretty much it really. I, I just at the moment just taking one step at a time I love uh, talking to a couple of the young guys on the Olympic team going for Tokyo uh, I love trying to mentor them and when I say mentor them just give them a heads up on on things of you know this could potentially happen and if it does do you have a scenario for it yeah. and helping them to try and visualize through what's going to happen in the next year now my little sister's also made the team but uh, Wallace, so there'll be another Wallace at another Olympic Games which wow. is sensational she in herself's got a story of her own, which is quite incredible. I'm really proud of her. So constantly chatting with them and yeah, I love trying to, I guess it sounds like a cliche, but give back to the sport. Yeah, mate, That's I'll, the plan I love, <laughs> anyway. I love that. And you're that type of human too, mate. We, everybody knows that you'd want to do that. So just on finishing up, Kenny, what's the number one question people ask you when they first find out yeah, Kenny Wallace who won an Olympic gold medal? What's the first thing people ask you? <laughs> the G-rated version or the <laughs> – no, Let's just roll it out how so, it comes. Uh, a lot of people want to know what the Olympic Village is like. Yeah, okay. okay. And what people, what athletes get up to in the in the Olympic Village. That's yeah. what that's one of the questions that we get asked if they've had a few beers. That'd be a different podcast. That's a different one. one but that um, never went to market. <laughs> <laughs> that will never. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the one where we don't hit the record button yeah, exactly. in anyway whatsoever. Yeah. Oh, I was always good. The, so people are into that. That's obviously one. That, yeah. No, they. A lot of people ask what it was like, and then can I hold your medal, yeah. or can I? You know. What what's kayaking? How good, you know, Or do you do rowing? No, the questions that get asked are all cool, cool questions, and I like answering them because every time I get to answer a question about the Olympic Games, I get to relive some of those moments that I love so much. Yeah. So even talking here today, I get to relive some of those moments. You know, the how slow I walked to get up onto the pont, off onto the podium, thing, things like that. It's pretty cool. That's good. We 
you worried about tripping over? Tapping no. my biggest fucking fear. You're going to walk up, being so excited. I have two hands in the air and going ass over. <laughs> no, I wasn't worried about tripping over. I was more worried about falling in the water before the uh, end of the end of the race. Yeah, that was, that was one thing, especially on in the thousand meter day the day before. I I'd almost fell in it, fallen in. I I believe I pulled up into silver and then I had a little stumble and with about thirty meters to go and I dropped back into bronze again. And then the next day in the five hundred, you know, in the last hundred meters, it's just there. It's just there. There's the finish line. Don't fall in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the 500, how long does that take? Uh, about a minute 30, in between a minute 35 and 37, depending on the wind. If somebody sneezes at the end of the course, you'll go two seconds slow. Wow. <laughs> and how far of that do you take your first breath? Uh, we generally get about three, four strokes out before you start to breathe. But then we're also rating at about 144 to 146 strokes a minute off the start. Stop it. And each stroke, uh, so we've done some measurements, and each stroke that you pull off the start, we're pulling up to about 80 kilos in force. And then once the boat actually gets up and running, because we'll hit top speed at about 60 meters into the race, and uh, that force obviously comes down quite a fair bit because the boat's moving and we'll be pulling about 30 kilos per stroke. Uh, if we're having a good 500 meter race our stroke rate won't drop below 120 so two strokes per second no way at 30 kilos per force yeah 30 kilos in force but off the start you're about 80 kilos at 144 146 strokes so that's your race but you're doing 200 kilometers a week in training yep in some big weeks like around that june time we'll do up to 200 k's i think i've at the moment i've this is something i was quite proud of it's not it wasn't an actual race but a lot of people have tried it uh is the 15k in an hour i ended up getting a I got 15.16 Ks in an hour, nonstop by myself. A lot of people do it as wash leads. And yeah, so that was one thing that I got done by myself. That's when I know I'm fit and I'm good to go. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I can actually, I can genuinely paddle faster than I can run. (laughs) (laughs) That explains the biceps and the calves. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Use your legs a lot in the sport, don't you? We do use our legs a lot. Mm. I'd, um, how my legs are set up into my kayak, I'd be mean in a set of high heels i reckon but <laughs> i'd be i'd be great in one of those running high heel races we use our legs quite a bit if our legs blow up uh generally our upper body will only last about another 80 meters before we're fully lactated and, yeah. and gone uh, i also sit on a swivel seat which means that my seat can twist in the boat yep. so already it's unstable and then i decided to sit on a seat that moves um <laughs> just, to, just to mix it up yeah which helps my rotation and helps my leg drive so we try and drive through our legs per every stroke yeah okay wow and mate, is it like um, car racing where the cars are all standardised or all the so that, there's a lot standard? of rules for our kayaks. They all have to be 12 kilos or more. They can't be under 12 kilos. So our boat will get weighed before it goes on the at the Olympics. It'll get weighed before it goes on the water and after it gets off the water. And they'll dry the boat completely, so you're not wow, that, water doesn't weigh anything. Yeah. And um, they have to be a certain length. They or well, they can't be longer than a, a certain length. They're not allowed to have any concave in it. So there's there are some rules that you can't bend there are definitely rules there but not everyone has the same shape kayak. Uh, I've been fortunate enough that I've been with the same brand kayak, uh, which is now the most successful kayak brand in the world with like 200 workers type thing out of one kayak shed manufacturer, which is crazy. Do you want to and drop I've, a name because yeah, they've been pretty good here? With Nello Kayaks, yeah, yeah, they have been. They've been sensational. Some come to steal one of your kayaks one day and <laughs> put it on the roof in the boardroom. Yeah. So if you're looking for it, Nello, you know where it'll be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they've been sensational. I've got my own mold 
there now. Oh, which, really? Yeah, which is great. And Adam Vancouver this year in Rio Olympics, he raced in one of my boats, which is sensational. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think things are great with the boats. Um, they're all carbon fiber. They're constantly changing yeah, the layup of them. But at the same time, I raced last year a boat that was made in 2007. Wow. So if you look after your gear, it looks after you. A lot wow. of people will just get their gear and they, they don't look after it. They don't wash it down. They don't they don't treat it. But essentially, that is a tool. That yeah. is your tool that you have to look after. Without the boat, you can't get to the other end of the course. So yeah, you look after what you have and you can make it last. I don't know if you remember this. You bought it round one day when I was doing a bit of kayaking <laughs> and you stood on the edge of the water and you said, come on, Greg, get in, da-da-da, here it is. And I sat in thing and went, boom, straight in. Like I couldn't even sit on it. That was after the shoehorn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get, in. get my ass into it. But, yeah, it was, uh, I was actually quite fit back then, Kenny. Thanks. Yeah. It, it, was. it was a while ago. I had hair back then too, I think. I, I so. tell a lot of the kids now, if we if we do any kind of show, showing any of the kids out of battle, a lot of them are going, look, if you can sit in this and get to the other side of the bank it's yours yeah you, you, know, you can resell it you'll get about five six grand for yeah. it you know it's all yours to this day i'm lucky <laughs> that no one's managed to do it but yeah, probably dropped the same line on me i would have had a crack at that too. <laughs> yeah i mean look, just in finishing up there's one thing i want to say about kenny that i'll never ever forget about any athlete that i've dealt with is i remember in the early days back when we were coming on board and when you were coming on board to the brand and this and that and i've gone oh kenny Wallace is a bit of an athlete da, da, da. you know this guy's going to go all right um, i had a lot of people had told me how good you were as like a, as a human and as an athlete and i sat there and i said mate what do you need like what what is it you want from body science back in the days and, and things were tough back then like it was it, we were a small mm. brand we were doing we still are a small brand but we like to bat big in sport and you said to me mate i don't want you to do anything for me i don't want any money i want you to put that back into the kayak team that i that, that i'm with and so for years we supplied his basically australian team wasn't yeah. it the australian team with that nutrition because you said that one line and we've been together forever since that day. Like it, it's one of the most amazing non-selfish things I've ever experienced here at Body Science. But, and thanks to that, we leading into the Rio Olympics, we had the most successful team in the world. Yeah. You know, in, in front of the Germans, in front of the Hungarians, in front of everyone. And it's, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes years of commitment, yeah. which is what you, you've shown, not just me, but to the team. And you know, it's last. And what I'm looking forward to is you know, there's a couple of these young guys coming through now that they've seen what the brand does and they want to be a part of it. So. They will always be part of that team. That's one of the, the greatest teams in sport, if you ask me. And you you pretty much directed me there because I was all about you at the time. And yeah, it's been a, it's been one of the relationships people don't understand. Our, our relate, well, my personal relationship with you is something that I will forever remember. It's been, I don't know how many years. I couldn't even put a starting date on it. 2099. Yeah. 99. Yeah, it wouldn't be long after no. that. <laughs> wouldn't have been long after that. Was it at Miami? You had that <laughs> Ford Falcon U. Um, yeah. I, Someone's been watching our Insty. <laughs> no, I, I, I remember I was getting flashbacks. You had this brown body science hat as yep, well. as like this did. leather front one. There's one just over there under my desk. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah. There is. yeah, I remember walking into the store there as well. So that was great. I remember racing Australian surf champs. With it. You were looking after Kai Hurst as yeah. well, one of my good mates. And, and Hasn't he have, gone to do some cool things? He has. Mm. He's, he's, he's done some amazing things and he's still doing some amazing yeah. things now. The best part is he's 
his son and my son get on like a house on fire. That's awesome. So you know, it's sensational. That not only have we been great mates, but also now our kids are good mates too. So, yeah. and it's through these connections that you've provided as well that um, yeah, we get to grow as a family. Mm. I love it, mate. I've loved the journey, and I'm so excited about your next next journey and your sister and the kids and where it's all going, mate. You just, I think the Wallace name will be in the body science brand for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I'd say. Thanks, thanks for coming on board, mate. I'm really glad that we uh, got to catch up and have this podcast. It's been a while on the take and we tend to turn up to the football together more than we do podcasts. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's nice to see your family um, growing, mate. Like You're just one of the good people in sport. Yeah. Uh, cheers. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Always, like always. It's all right. And Can't get rid a, of me anytime soon. Here's uh, the sound of medals, people. <laughs> more than one. <laughs> Don't know if you can hear it. But, mate, thanks for coming on board. Catch you soon. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Today's podcast was brought to you by our partners in Fit, Happy and Healthy, ASN, Nutrition Warehouse, DY Discount Vitamins, Fat Burners Only, Evelyn Fay, Mr. Supplement, or find a retailer online at bodyscience.com.au forward slash retailers.